G'day punters, we're back again and we're wrapping up what was a massive award night for the league. Ran to the absolute T4 broadcast on ESPN, the NBL did an absolutely fantastic job. The awards though? Some questions, mm. but that's what we've got to discuss. Well, we'll jump into it straight away and if you do want to jump on a YouTube to check out the podcast, remember we're streaming on YouTube as well. Then we've got a little video. We managed to catch up with Larry Kesselman before the awards started and we pitched him a couple mm. of ideas that we think could improve the league and just move it onto that next level. So we've got that. We also sat down for a chat with Scott Machado, Scotty Hobson and Lamar Patterson talking all things hoops and a little bit outside the NBL with those guys. So if you want to jump on a YouTube, you'll be able to check those ones out as well. But we'll get into the awards action. The sixth man of the year. We'll run through them each individually. Jason Kiddie. Well, let's, all the awards were going to be close. There were so many good candidates for each award. Jason Kiddie, when what the Bullets did, he started a few games for a little bit, but really found his niche coming off the bench. Now, if I had to pick someone from the Bullets, even though Will Magne started, he was still up for it because he started more games on the bench. He was still a chance to win it, and he would probably have been my first pick, but it's hard because he started the whole second half of the year. So you, you can't really give the sixth man to someone who was an integral piece of their starting unit, even though he was available for it. But there were some good candidates in this one. Sean Bruce was another one. Sydney with their record season. Brandon Ashley with New Zealand, really bought into his role. And Eric Griffin to a degree. Yeah, I think, look, look, Eric Griffin, out of the performance that he put in the final game, and we'll touch that. We I will. Just think you just veto him from the entire awards segment. But look, I, I was happy with Kadea. Again, you couldn't have been unhappy with anyone in the entire lineup. And that goes for virtually every award by the MVP if we talk about everyone who's yeah. nominated. But I think Sean Brooke tailed, tailed off a little bit. Yeah. You know, he had a couple of zero and zero games, stuff yeah. like that, whereas Jay, Jason Kiddie averaged 11 points, was pretty stock standard all year. So I th- I, I'm not disappointed at all no, with Kiddie getting I, was gr- That was the first award of the night, and I think that was a great decision to have that locked in for him and well-deserved for sure. And um, if they had made the finals, he would have been a massive part of that. The Kmart Ball Kid Award. Oh. Now, what, whatever, the Kmart Communi- Game community, type community. community Award went to Dane Pano. Now, it's tough for anyone to judge this because only the players and you know a few team officials are at these events, but I think this one was given out perfectly. Dane Pano is always the one. Look, he, he might not dunk in games, but he's probably dunking more at these sort of community camps and all that sort of stuff than any other player. He's a fantastic... He's a yes man when it comes to all of these community things. You look at everything that Southeast Melbourne does just as a team. Anytime they need a community thing, you know, if it's for a brand, sponsor, anything, Dane's always the first to put his hand up. So I, I think it's good to see someone get recognition that actually deserves this. Well, if you think about that award, that's actually the most tightly contested award because every player is eligible. Yeah. So he beat every single player <laughs> in the league to that award. Everything else was cut down. MVP was only 20 people. Dane beat every player in the league to that award, including development players. That's tough. That is tough to do. That goes straight to the pool room, that one. Most improved, Will Magne. Another one. I actually thought it was probably going to be Dane Pineau, but then again, had a couple quieter games. We say quieter games. We say quiet, a quiet game, but he set the precedent for himself where a quiet game was nine and eight, that yeah. sort of thing. And, and Will Magne started off the year sort of, you know, just working. He improved over the year. Yeah. Dane kind of got at it from the jump. And correct me if I'm wrong, but Will Magne... Was a development player last year? No. Was he fully rostered fully last rostered, year? He was fully play. rostered last year. So I, I, it, it can go there. I, I'm not disappointed again. There's yeah. no disappointment, no anger that Will Magne got the award. I, I thought that I'd definitely give it to Dane Pineau. Sean Bruce as well, when you talk about coming out of the league, was yeah. another one up there. But I, I think the hype that went around Magne as well, not disappointed. Well, you talk about most improved. It's, it's from the year, you mentioned this, it's from the year prior 
to this year. Magne improved from the start of the year to the end. He ended up starting and being a huge piece. And we remember when he came on in the first couple of games of the year, we were like, oh, he might give you a block, he might give you a dunk. Then he came in and started just doing it consistently in games for like 30 minutes a game. And you're like, yeah. well, this guy is definitely one of the candidates. So I, I don't think you can be upset with that one. Well, that's what works against Sean Bruce in this one as well. Because yeah. Sean Bruce, you, it, it's very hard to give someone the most improved award. I, even if they had have a, a magical season as opposed to the previous one, if you're not in the league, it's hard to be most improved. So we can't see what you yeah. do. And even though you played a little bit for the 36ers, it's just not enough sample size to be able to garner a most and improved he was, award. And he did play Cairns and Brisbane Years ago as well. So yeah, he's it, been in the league. So I'm Should with he you. have been out of the league? No. Oh, right. That, that's then it could the, have changed everything. More of the question for this one. Rookie of the year, LaMelo Ball. Now, I think no one can really argue whether he should have been rookie of the year. I think you can argue should next stars players be eligible for rookie of the year. But at the end of the day, they're a rookie. They're in the league. They're eligible. I will one argue. I want to ask with this one. Oh, okay. I don't know. If you, if you want to go against it, then jump on. Well, where are you going with this? I'm talking about what he was presented with. But talk okay. about the award. No, I will argue this one only because one candidate was robbed of even being nominated one player, Sunday Detch. Now, this is because when he was a development player for Perth, someone was injured and he filled in for a certain number of games as a rostered player's injury replacement, which took him out of being able to win Rookie of the Year, which is all well and good. But apparently if you do that, then whatever. Three years ago, Craig Moller was the development player for Sydney, played the second half of the season as an injury replacement, first year of Melbourne United on a roster, was eligible for Rookie of the Year. Sunday Deck wins that award if he's eligible for it because he played the whole year and he played very well. Correct? Well, if you're wrong, going off what you're saying there, if Moller's done the exact same thing, then of course surely the Illawarra Hawks lodged some sort of well, petition that he wasn't It nominated. might have come down to a certain number of games. I'm not sure. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. Okay, well, if it's a certain number of games and there is a... Yeah, I'm not sure exactly. There's a rule there. It's there for a reason. You can't have any grey area with this yeah, stuff. but I'm also... If Kuat Noy doesn't, if he misses half as many games when he was injured and just played half as good as he was playing, he probably wins it as well. But Lamelo back-to-back triple doubles, and then you need someone to absolutely do something astounding. And no one was fully healthy who was doing astounding stuff like he did. So, in the end, it was well deserved. Well, another person that should have been nominated easily, which I was shocked to find out they weren't nominated, Fabian Krislovic. Yeah, who played wasn't going to win it, but wasn't going to win not, it, yeah. but played legitimate. We're talking about virtually every rookie in the league was yeah. nominated for this award. That was the craziest thing to me. And Fabian, he may go out there and look like he's forty, <laughs> but he's a rookie. He was a development player last year. This is his first rostered year, and he came out, hit big shots for Cairns throughout the year. Didn't set the world on fire, but played legitimate minutes as a legitimate role player for a legitimate championship contending team. I, no, I agree with you. And I, it's funny you said every rookie was nominated because Terry Armstrong was nominated. And See, we, that's ridiculous. And, gonna, that, the- and that's a legitimate oversight. There's yeah. no way that the NBL can justify yeah. that Terry Armstrong's nominated and Fabian Krislovich isn't. So obviously there's someone along the line has just forgotten to nominate him, but no one would ever own up to doing that. No, and I think yeah, he does definitely deserves to be just in the discussion of rookies. He wasn't going to win it. But what he's done, a lot of credit to Cairns as well. I thought he had a great season. Fans MVP, our man Scott Machado, who we, of course we mentioned we had a chat with before the MVP awards and he's just an outstanding dude yeah. overall. And you couldn't find a better dude to fit in within that Cairns community. But another guy, a lot of people say he could have been hard done by to not win the MVP. I don't believe that. I think the MVP was set in stone from about the middle of the season. But Scott Machado, fans MVP, I think that just shows that he's a guy that we want so badly back in this league next year. Well, yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. We need him back. He was awesome for the league. He was exciting to watch, and he deserves some recognition. As we said, if you take Bryce out, he wins the MVP by a mile. 
because of what he did. But Bryce Cotton, we know, we'll, we'll get on that. But I thought Scott Machado, well-deserved. As he said, we had a great chat with him about all things. He's been everywhere. He's, this is eighth-year yeah. professional, and he says he loves Australia, really enjoyed it. And you could see, giving back what he did to Cairns, he says he loves all the fans up there. It's big time, and he's going to be a big reason if they can, if they can beat Cairns. And you've got to remember, uh, it's, it's hard. The fans' MVP is voted. So yeah. usually it's always a Wildcats player or, you know, an Adelaide 36ers. A team where fans, they've got quite a lot of fans and they get heavily involved into the voting of these things. So for a guy from Cairns to win it is a pretty big effort. Well, we normally don't ever see the fans MVP and the MVP the same. No, no, no. You can't have, you don't I'm have wondering the whether Bryce ran away with that one as well. And they're like, oh, well. Yeah, I can't imagine the Red Army letting him get away with not voting. Red Army are big on the WhatsApp polls. We've seen it yeah. throughout the year. So I reckon <laughs> Bryce probably led that, but they said, hang on, we'll give you the real one. Yeah, <laughs> Let's yeah, go yeah. Have which, which, which one do you want? Well, speaking of the MVP, Bryce Cotton, I think you would be out of your mind if you want to argue anything against this award. Bryce Cotton was by far and away the best player. We love the narratives. We pushed Scott Machado. We pushed Lamar Patterson because they were really interesting storylines. And again, you wouldn't be disappointed if they won, but you'd also say, well, look, that's probably a bit of a disrespect to Cotton. Hey, that's exactly the right word. It's disrespect. We've, if he didn't win it, we've taken him for granted his greatness and what he's done because he's normalized being elite. He has normalized it, and I'm so glad he got the recognition for it. And when you hear his speech, man, how well-spoken is that dude? Like he, he's great. He, he epitomizes, he vocalizes exactly what it is to be a Perth Wildcat. And you can tell he signed his long-term deal. He, I can't see him heading anywhere else nah. in his career. I think he's there to stay. And you look at a guy again, we talk about, we'll jump over to the Coach's year, Coach of the Year Award, Mike Kelly. Trevor Gleeson probably should have been right up there in the conversations with these things. But again, he's normalized winning. We love the new fad. And right now, Mike Kelly is that new fad. And that's not taking anything away from Mike Kelly. This is a, the first year on what I think is going to be an unbelievable coaching career for him. But again, Trevor Gleeson does this year in, year out with the team that he's got. Now, it's a bit different. Mike Kelly's working with a bit of a different system there. It's a lot harder to have that sort of sustained success, which I hope he does. And I, and I honestly believe that he can. Aaron Fern went through a period there where he had a lot of success. And hopefully Mike Kelly's been able to jump into that a lot earlier than Fern did. Mike Kelly was a wooden spoon last year and has gone to win coach of the year and get his team to third in the ladder. That's unbelievable. He's, he's going to have a massive career ahead and even talking to Scott Machado and the way they, they talk about Mike Kelly, they all love him up there as well. So uh, very well deserved. And then again, it could have gone to Will Weave easily and we'd be saying that's well deserved as well. Yeah, so and, and that was the one you wanted split that award. When you, you talk, could. yeah, that was definitely one that would be split. I think Will Weaver is the most hard done by coach to not win coach of the year. Yeah. When you talk about the season that the Sydney Kings have had and the adjustments that he's had to make throughout the year, what he does tactically, I think he's a fantastic coach. And, and I think he's been the head coach of our national team very shortly. Yeah. Very, very shortly. I think, I think this Brett Brown stuff works for the Olympics, and I think you sell Will Weaver in there as soon as possible. I think you get him out of the NBL. Yeah. I think you have Will Weaver. You are a permanent boomers coach. Bang. Don't have to worry about anything else. Don't have to worry about the Sydney Kings. Pay the man enough where he can coach full-time for the National. I mean, until we see how he can juggle him, we've seen that Lamanus couldn't juggle him as well as he would have liked, putting importance on both. But to be dead honest, is Lamanus the coach that Will Weaver is? I don't think so. I rate Lamanus. I think he's a fantastic coach, but I think Will Weaver is a modern-day computer analytics, all of this sort of stuff, incredibly smart guy, Love seems to be loved by his players. I just think it's been a long time since we've seen a coach, you know, the, yeah. the youth of Will Weaver in a head coaching context and the way he goes about it I think is the future of coaching I think he's latched onto a lot of things the coaches are starting to latch onto but he's sort of mastered them already I'm with you I'm back here Picking up what I'm putting down. Yeah, picking it all up mate just well, from Sunday night continuing it on Well, we touched on Next Stars being nominated for awards and, and whatnot these Rookie of the Year stuff a potential Next Star next year there's not a huge amount of US talent floating around Yeah 
from high school. Up, yeah, yeah, from high school. It looks like a lot of guys are going to college, so I don't think we're going to get a massive crop. But I think we've got something even better. And Aussie, Josh Giddy, the son of Melbourne Tigers great Warwick Giddy, jumping into the Next Stars program. Now, it's all up for debate on where he's going to head and where the best shot spot should wow. be. But he's turned down the likes of and, – and right now, it's, and the Pick and Rolls reported this and, and a very, very reputable source – He's turned down Colorado, a nationally ranked program that he would play heavy minutes at, which I'm still not sold on what is the right decision to do. Whether If I'm him, I'm probably going to Colorado, but then what I did in college... Yeah, I was about to say that. ...probably <laughs> won't get you into the NBA. Yeah. So if that's the end goal and Josh Giddy's good enough to play in the NBA, if you want to go to frat parties and just get drunk and get wild, then yeah, college is great. Oh, is that what you did? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what I did for four <laughs> years, and I'm not in the NBA. I'm on a podcast. So if Josh Giddy wants to do that, I think that this Next Stars route could be great, especially with LaMelo going. A lot of the previous Next Stars actually being in the NBA. A lot of people don't realize the Next Stars program is a two-year thing. So even LaMelo and RJ Hampton were both on two-year deals. Obviously, they're going to go to the NBA draft this year. But like Terry Armstrong has the chance to come back for Southeast Melbourne Phoenix and play another year. It's a two-year thing. So you won't see Josh Giddy for two years, but it has that potential of... I think you could. Well, you, I, I, depending I where surprised. he goes, because you just said he's going to play... He would have played big minutes in college. If he goes to Melbourne United, if they put another roster together like that, where do you slip him in for some good minutes? Because then you say, well, maybe he has to go to like an Illawarra type, try and get the keys. But then you also hear... Uh, there is no chance in how Illawarra even touch the yeah. Next Stars program with a 10-foot pole. I feel bad for Matty Flynn in this situation because he's been, he's been dealt the best card and the worst card in the same hand. So well, it's, we actually skipped over what you said what Lamello was presented with. Well, we'll do, we, we've skipped over. I mean, Lamello was printed, <laughs> printed with a giant 42 jersey, which was just awkward, and I'm not sure what it was actually. If anyone can explain what the jersey that was Lamello Ball was printed with was or stood for, I'd appreciate that. But... On the, on the Josh Giddy stuff, another thing that we've heard is people saying, no, 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 the next stars is for US talent, overseas talent, to draw more eyes to the league and, and things of that nature. Why didn't Josh Giddy just sign as a development player? Now, oh, there's one real easy... There's one real big reason, and it is money. Yes. You want to get paid, and the next stars players can get paid exorbitant amounts of money outside the cap. So it would be absolutely foolish to sign as a development player or even a rostered player. Because you can get a guy of Josh Giddy's, Josh Giddy's caliber, and if you've managed to, if it, if it is 100% confirmed, and you've managed to pry him away from the likes of Colorado and pretty much any school he wanted to go to, I get the feeling it's for a little bit more than around $35,000 a year. Yes, for sure. Without a doubt. And I think that's the big one. And we want, like you said, you want these high school Americans. We have some elite Australian talent coming through. We don't want to lose them. To, if we can to the college system obviously if they have the chance they're really keen about schooling all that kind of stuff then for sure go and live that I still would definitely go to college because I send me back for four years loved now. the experience I got I think I, it's an unforgettable thing Put I a learned red so cup much in my hand and send me home <laughs> but I think yeah he's a guy who's on the NBA radar he's already killing global <laughs> academies and like that he's making the right choice Magne Tenday our man Cantragar came in with the scoop or was it I think it was one of those pooper scoopers. You know the ones you use a dog park to pick up shit? Because this one was totally shot down as soon as it came up. Well, and, he's, and the weirdest thing was it was ran with at halftime as well and not corrected. Multiple reputable sources. I had a source contact me, which I trust over any other source. Olgan Ulick, one of the best journalists in the game in the NBL, came out and said he had confirmed that this is not true. Talks? Yes. Magnaian talks with the Warriors. A 10-day was not on the table. Yet it continued and people continued to defend it online for some weird reason when it had been confirmed by sources actually involved in the situation, including Will Magne's own agent. 
His own agent had confirmed that the offer is not on the table and this was a miscommunication. But fuck it, let's just defend it on Twitter and say, nah, they don't know what they're talking about. Well, you talked about uh, the it was running at halftime. Trigger obviously got nothing. So he was just going based on what he was. someone had told him pre-game. So he still, it was still a top. And this isn't a shot at Camp Trigger. No, no. If someone's so he told, was, and he was told by someone sure. in the know. Yeah, for sure. He's you not, would trust. He's not going out there and just making that up. No. He's exactly you told that. Will Magne signed a two-year extension with the Bullets today? Yeah, today. Obviously, he's going to have NBA out clauses, all that kind of stuff in it. But as I said, Will Magne's agent, my agent, and I asked him what's going on, and he said a lot of good talks, a lot of positive talks, nothing confirmed yet. But the Golden State Warriors might be looking to do that because it gets them a jump to have him before he goes to Summer League. Nearly every team wants him on the Summer League roster. But if some team can get him for a 10-day before, then they hold his rights, I believe, for Summer League. So it's a smart business decision by both sides. But as you said, there was nothing on the table at the time. He'll get one. I, would, he'll, he'll oh, get no, one. I, I don't think he gets a 10-day. I, I don't think he gets a 10-day at this point in the season. I don't think you come straight from Australia and jump over there and get into a 10-day situation. As confirmed by oh, he'll play multiple sources. Summer League and then... Summer League, yeah. yeah I think he eventually gets a 10-day. But it's... He's got eight to nine, even 10 Summer League offers right now from different teams. That's, that's going to be confirmed. hard, man. You saw what Jock Landau did in the Summer League. Jock Landau's was a different decision. Jock Landau's whole thing was mismanaged by his previous agency. Oh, really? That was mis- mismanaged. He had potential to be in the NBA. He, Let's just say if he was with a different source, he would have been in the NBA there. He played That's well shit. enough in the summer league to get himself dominated. in the NBA. Dominated. dominated. It, was, it, was a, it was a mix up and there was but a whole lot of stuff going will, on. Will Will Magne dominate summer league? Will Will Magne dominate? Will Will. He's not going to, do- that's too many wills. Yeah. <laughs> he's not going to dominate summer league, but he's going to fill enough. a role. You've got to remember yeah. that he's still young. Yeah. He's still got plenty of time to go. You, you look at, he just won the most improved player of the year award. Yeah. He's, we saw him in preseason too at MSAC and we were just like, oh wow, this guy's. Oh, he's gone. ready to go. He's ready and to he's take just, He's just little. starting his ascension yeah. into that sort of Jock Landau mold. You know, once he gets his shot fully working, he's I'm, ready to go. We look at the improvement that Jock Landau yeah. made. Jock Landau, I played with Jock Landau in the under 20 state selection. He didn't even make the team. Yeah. And he didn't even look like making the team. Yeah. He went to Samaria's, just worked his ass off, got himself to this level. So Biggs are able to do it. It's not like, you know, it, 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 it's a weird sort of position where if you really put that work in, you're at the perfect size where you can be dominant. I'm with you. I'm with you, mate. Picking up what I'm putting down. It's just from Sunday, carrying it on. Well, it's time to jump over into Wertho Cuts Loose. Who's the big man going to posterise this week? G'day there, fellas. Uh, what an exciting last round of the NBL regular season it was. Melbourne United find their way into the finals with two solid victories against the Taipans and then the Phoenix. New Zealand Breakers, they were just scraped by for a nice little victory against South East Melbourne Phoenix, but couldn't get the job done to squeeze into the finals. And the Brisbane Bullets showed us the basketball that they should have been playing all year, beating the Taipans by almost 40 points. Now that the dust is cleared, my concern is with the Cairns Taipans. That's not the ideal preparation leading into the finals. You had a chance against two teams that, A, were desperate, but... You've got to be able to close the deal and show us why you're a playoff team. A lot of people have penciled them in to potentially steal the championship this year with their exciting style of basketball. For me, they had 43 turnovers over the course of the weekend. And when you're going against the Perth Wildcats and the pressure cooker that is RAC Arena, you need to be a lot better with the ball. It's a high-risk, high-reward sort of offense. But against the Perth Wildcats and Mitch Norton, Damian Martin, Bryce Cotton... The protection of the ball will be everything. If they get the shots up against the Perth Wildcats, they'll give themselves a chance. But if they can't even get a shot up, you can kiss this semi-final goodbye 2-0. 
Now, my final little thing is the referee of the year, Vaughan Maybury. Now, did he win it outright or did they have to go to review for it? You guys were there. You tell me. Hope you guys are well and I will talk to you later. Bye. <laughs> now, it wasn't going to be a Werther Cutsloose segment without some sort yeah, of, of course. at the referees there, but we'll, we'll break this one down piece by piece. The Cairns Taipans turnovers. We'll talk about Brisbane after this, but the Taipans turnovers heading into the finals and losing two games like that, not the ideal prep. It, it, you're 100% correct. And when that game against Melbourne United, they the pressure was on them at the end. Again, didn't have a, at the time they had something to play for in second spot, but Perth were going to beat Adelaide, so that wasn't going to be the issue. So they didn't have too much to play for rather than just carrying momentum, which is huge to be able to do, for, especially if you're a young team, you want to be playing well. Didn't do a great job executing down the stretch, ended up getting blown out by Melbourne United. Then in my head, I'm thinking, what do they have to play for in this game against Brisbane? One, you want momentum going into the finals. True, big break coming up anyway. Then I'm thinking, well, why are you even playing these guys? We spoke to Scott Machado. He even said, not sure if I really was going to play until they told me, yeah, we're going to throw it out there. And then you saw what Brisbane did. And I think that's the bad thing. It's like it's now exposed them to what teams can do. And the one team you don't want to have to get fully pressured in against is Damian Martin. All up. So that's definitely when Brisbane go, Perth go back and look at the tape. Perth won't change too much. They, they know what they have to do to be successful. But yeah, is it worrying? Yes. But they do have a 10-day break. I probably wouldn't have even played Machado. For those screaming home cooking from the hills, oh, God. just have a look at the stats and the makeup of these games. First in the cans in their loss to Melbourne. Turnovers, left, right and centre. The loss to Brisbane. Turnovers, left, right, and center. No player in this league. You can say home cooking all you want, and you know referees made this call, that call. No player in his right mind is going out. And I know this is a hundred percent fact. Is going out and throwing wild turnovers to lose a game by a certain margin. There's there's ways that games can be fixed or rigged. Yeah. It ain't players throwing that many turnovers. Go and look at the first minute of the game. Sobey and Patterson both took one on four pull up threes in the first four seconds of the shot clock. They knew what they were doing. We want to get more shots up, as many threes as we can, to try and make sure we can get this score out. So that's they set the precedent from the jump and put Cairns right on the back foot, and then there's no real coming back. They weren't going to win. After the first quarter, it was never about winning. It was about trying to get the margin back whilst keeping guys healthy. And on that topic, for, and, and where they mentioned it, for Brisbane to play that way the entire season, mm. if you play that way the entire season, you will get blown out by 30 points more than you win by one. Yeah, teams scout it. It's scouted. It's very every, easy to go against yeah. the run and jump, all this sort of stuff. The reason it works when it's unexpected and unpredictable. Yeah. No one knew that. We knew that they were going to go hard and try to win by a margin. But to that extent, was not. And that was expert coaching by Lamanis, And they ran the run and jump and the press to an yeah. absolute T. Well, that's – and the one way you can stop it is by getting stops if you can. But Brisbane was shooting the piss out of it and they were scoring every time. So when you're taking the ball out of the net, you let their press get set up every single time. You know, every time they got to stop, they could slow the possession down. And then you saw Cairns start to rush and take contested threes Full in the first passes. eight seconds. Like, credit to Brisbane where it's due, but I'll tell you what, were they talking about the, the last results? How glad am I that United got to knock Brisbane out and United got in there? Because that would have because come back... you get back, to make more money on the courtside commentator during come, the finals? That would have, well, maybe. That would have come back to the breakers missing out because Brisbane would have got in. By a leaky roof in Illawarra. Yeah, but we can't. There's too much grey area there. They could have even, you never know. It's the NBL. No one thought that Brisbane was going to win by 30-something points. They could have come back but and the, lost that game. It would, the hypothetical would have been there. And we spoke to Scotty Hobson. He was like, yeah, I'm 
some players did mention it. So I'm glad that that didn't even come into the equation. That's the big thing. That would have I been wish, horrible. I wish them. it had come into the equation because it would have been fantastic podcast content to talk well, about. True. But it didn't. But I like the breakers, what they did in the second half of the year. In play or out of bounds, Joey Wright Ooh. scored his Ooh. team. And when I say team, that's rough. It was mainly a couple of individuals who it's not hard to do the math and work out who it was. Selfish is the word he used over and over. Selfish, selfish. Said he doesn't even came out today speaking to Dwayne Russell, I believe it was, on SEN. Our great mate, Dwayne Russell. I know. Man, I've never seen someone have so much sugar during a single broadcast. But came out and said that there are certain players on that team that he never wants to see again. Wild. Never wants to see again. He was... And we've got to go with one of those players being Eric Griffin. And this again, this is not confirmed. Well, he played two minutes. <laughs> two minutes and had a couple of turnovers... And it was uh, Joe Wright even said in the press conference that he had no intention of, of the way he was acting. He had no intention of playing him. So you can only assume he's one of those guys. Jerome Randall, another guy that just didn't want to come out and give it. Well, the quote was from Joe Wright. I think he didn't want to, Eric Griffin did not want to play. So why would I play him? He yeah. said, I got the feeling he did not want to play. Which was a deplorable performance by the Adelaide 36. Yeah, the only people the that looked time. like they gave any sort of resemblance of care was guys like Jack McVeigh, Anthony Drimmick, who I expect to stay. Well, Jack McVeigh, of course, but Drimmick needs to get the bag somewhere. Yeah, Drimmick needs, and maybe not get the bag <laughs> as such, but he needs to get paid. Yeah. The guy needs to get paid because he is a great player. And, and, you know, whether it's getting paid or whether it's just getting the opportunity to thrive, you look at guys like Cam Glidden, Clint Steindl, he's them, but he can also get to the rack. He's got a lot more of his game to give. So I can't wait to see Anthony Drimmick in a position, whether it be for Southeast Melbourne, you know, Madsen's getting on in age. Who I still think Madsen's got a few years left, but he's a guy that can come into that sort of spot. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. He's a very hot free agent for them. But the, the whole get-up of that, that team to put together for the Sixers, just the moment everyone started talking about when they were together, that was going to be the big issue. And it just showed throughout. They had some good stretches. They showed good stretches where... That individual talent, which, by the way, their individual talent is elite. Like, they've got some really... Eric Griffin is a baller. Jerome Randall, we know he's a flat-out baller. Yeah, but there's baller and then there's attitude stuff. No, no, no. I look like they struggle with attitude stuff all year. Eric Griffin needs to be out of the league and gone. Okay, well, I was getting there. I'm going, Get there. No, I was going with... You put them in like a one-on-one setting, they are elite, but it just didn't work. And you see, you said you saw those cracks eventually crack, crack, crack. And when finals were taken out, there was like a 0.0001% chance last week or something they could make it or two weeks ago. It just blew up. You know what Adelaide, what the Adelaide 36ers and their fan base, who's one of the best, one of the most annoying to play against, but one of the best fan bases in the league because they are so passionate. And it annoys me every time the Adelaide 36ers have these mismanagement issues, on-court issues like this that just take away from their yeah. what, what is a fantastic club. And Adelaide needs – like, look, at the support that they had during that finals run in 2018 where they were very unlucky not to win yeah. the grand final series. Look, they, they had it in their hand at one point there. But the way the fans get around it and how sometimes frustratingly, you know, I was about to say patriotic, but it virtually is like rooting for a country when you're in Adelaide. But you need to get guys that want to play for the Adelaide 36ers. And right now it looks like they have a whole bunch of guys on their team that didn't want to play for the Adelaide 36ers. And you know why Joey was successful in 2018? Because that roster wanted to play for Joey. Majority of that roster wanted to play yeah. for Joey. And you need, that's the kind of coach Joey is. You want to play for him because then he will do the right thing by you. Didn't see that this year. 100%. And, and look, I've, I've had it confirmed to me by someone in the know. That Jeez, you are, I've got sources everywhere. I did some digging, man. I was working <laughs> I was working around on MVP night. Oh, Joey yeah, is you not, were digging. Joey is not returning and that's 100%. Yeah, I think we all knew that. But, but it, yeah. it also looked like he was playing his cards to oh. maybe get that nice, juicy payout like he did. He's a smart man. He's There's a, a reason man. he's done 500 games to the yeah. league. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's time for hot or cold. We'll jump off with the Sydney Media Ban. 
Now, this has been discussed for a few this weeks. This pisses me off. Yeah, this fine. has been discussed for a few weeks and um, certain times they allow Will Weaver to speak to people and, and things like that. You're a professional organization and when you're doing so well, people want to hear from you. People want to talk to star guys. People want to talk to role players. Everyone, everyone, they want to see because you guys have done a record-breaking year, we want to hear from the people who made that happen. Well, the only person we seem to hear from is Paul Smith on Twitter. And, and Paul Smith came at us for not mentioning the Sydney Kings enough and not, not yeah. giving them enough credit. Because you don't. we wanted to talk to one of their players on MVP night and were unable. Yeah. They committed to it. Last minute. Oh, no, the club isn't going to let me do it. That's why we don't talk about it because we have no access. So, of course, that's, it's, it's ridiculous to put virtually whatever you call it, a media ban, whatever it is, or limit your selective, players. Selective, selective media. media availability. Then we can't talk to anyone. We but can't talk about anything. He, as we said, like a record-breaking season. Favorites for a reason. The roster you put together, all that. We want to talk to them. They've done everything right. right. The only player we probably don't want to talk to is Didi because we can't talk to him very unless we speak <laughs> Portuguese. The rest, I'd love to hear from. I spoke to Daniel Kicker <laughs> earlier in the season. Talks terrific. He literally has the insight and what to say exactly right. We want to talk to these guys. Sean Bruce came onto the radio, had some great things to say. I want to hear about what makes the Sydney Kings team tick. What is it? What are they working on this week? Melbourne matchup, hot or cold. Melbourne, the worst matchup for the Kings. Now, this isn't an on-court matchup I'm talking about. I'm more talking about the free swing that Melbourne United have mm. against their arch rival, the Sydney Kings. Because all the pressure is on the Kings here. And I think the Sydney Kings win it. Look, yeah, well, they smacked them this year. Sydney are, Sydney are far better. Casper just decided to go for 60 points mm. every time they match up. I think the Kings win this. But it is you would have to go in feeling the danger there and feeling the heat. Well, we talk about teams playing their best basketball leading into the finals. Melbourne United had... Two weeks ago, we were sitting here saying they're done. Everyone was. They, they can't make it. A couple of results fell their way, and they've won games on the trot, and guys are starting to fill their roles. Shea Lee's going to now be starting on Castle Ware. We haven't seen that in the four games they've played. Melo Trimble coming off the bench, so it's Melo versus Sean Bruce. Haven't seen that so far this year. So it's all that kind of stuff. It's all different now. And once you get to the finals, but they've got... Guys like well, Casper's been to the finals before, but then you've got Chris yeah, Golding. There's not a lot of dudes been... on that Sydney Kings roster that have been that have won yeah. in the finals. Yeah. Melbourne has virtually an entire roster of guys that have had sustained success in the finals. The experience, and if they can snatch a game one, oh, that's that's where, that's where it gets dangerous because then that pressure that pressure cook goes up a whole another. What notch. we want to see though, we've said it all year. Can we please let Bogut and Sean Long play? Yeah, can we not Please. just foul them out in the first five minutes? We all want to Please. see that. Vaughn, Aylan, whoever's the, listening. The year Let has been go. set up for this. Let us see these two elite big men go at each other. Please. Hot or cold, Abercrombie deserves more credit for what he's done this year. The MVP for the New Zealand and own team voting. I just don't think we've spoken enough about it, and I understand because there are in New Zealand and mm. we tend to just naturally by nature and due to our access to teams and whatnot talk about the teams on the mainland. But Abercrombie, who's been unreal this year. He's the second player in history to have a 50-40-90 season with uh, Daniel Kickett. Crazy. He's getting, he's getting, we talk about Barlow getting better with age. Yeah. Abercrombie right now is someone that the New Zealand breakers need to lock down. I'm oh, sorry, 50-45 and 90. 45% yeah. from three. This is a guy who for years were like, can't shoot, just an athlete, long defender. Well, he was struggling with that mid-range. And his now, mid-range was putrid for a couple of years there. And now he's just found his niche as all the breakers have. They've re-signed Finn Delaney, Rob Lowe. They're going to be a problem. Now, that's a great sign for culture. Big when time. you have guys signing that. Locals. Paper, Locals yeah. signing that paper immediately as the mm. season ends. We've spoken about culture all year with the New Zealand Breakers. Local signing on straight or eight leads me to believe that we may have been wrong about a couple of things. Will, because will they get Scotty Hobson back? 
That's a huge one. Look, that's a huge one. If they get him back, all of a sudden next year is looking really promising. Well, right now on paper with the locals, they've got continuing. Hopefully, Shamir can have an uninterrupted year because Shamir proved us, proved me wrong mm. with my knocks on his coaching. Mm. Directing. Yeah, sorry, director no, of basketball. I hope, I hope that he gets upgraded to the head coach position. I hope so too. He, he not, might be I'm right at sure what happens. I, I think right. By the way he handled the team as a director of basketball, I reckon he could be a pretty good he coach could be a as good, well. Decent coach. So he, he should get it going. Hot or cold? MVP voting should be public. Oh, hot. I'm now, big on this. This is one of those ones where, again, I've spoken about my theories with MVP voting and all this sort of stuff. When it's private, and I know this happened in one instance, and I'm not going to shout out who this was because it's – you know, it's not ethically right to do. But I know one instance of a player who purposely voted in order to give their teammate a better chance to win by voting for people who virtually had no chance so they wouldn't take votes off someone else. Are you now, saying- the issue here with my theory is that if enough teams do this, you get these awards that are given out to people who don't deserve it. And by the looks of the awards this year, it didn't happen. But it always has the chance when it's done by players who have a vested interest in their teammates winning the award and the voting is private. This is why the NBA does it with media. Because in the NBA, there's a lot of money money at stake. You want your teammate to get paid these massive $10 million plus bonuses for winning these all-NBA teams in these MVP awards. It's not like that in the NBA, although there are still team bonuses for this stuff, but you're always going to have your teammates' vested interests at heart. I agree with you. And I'm, I was even thinking of uh, a way like – I don't like it. I don't, wouldn't have liked to see it as like a brown after each game you get a 3-2-1. But if you're going to do it that way, same, the same people vote, like a media person, whoever's covering someone, whoever's watching the league from an unbiased point of view after every game does a 3-2-1 slip. And that way – because I spoke to a couple of players – Reps and coaches. Yeah. Stick it to refs and coaches. Well, refs, round low because refs sometimes hold that little grudge of if someone. Same as no, AFL. No, but, no, but, same as AFL. I understand with AFL, but AFL usually gets it somewhat on the money, and and it also adds to a bit of bit of surprise because it is a sort of best and fairest award. But that's why. So we we had then an hour broadcast slot. Why can't we have? If you do it that way. Here's the leading votes from round one to six, and we have a leaderboard. In 2018 was the last time they did that. And we see that for the first – and everyone's like, oh, geez, Bryce is 10th right now. And then the next one, oh, Bryce is second. And then the last one, just to give that little bit on edge, not just – as you said, Yeah. who came second, who came third in the MVP? No, we don't know. That's what I mean. Like, everyone wants to see all that because it comes – last year we did. We saw uh, a list, or maybe it was two years ago. Two years ago, sorry, because Mitch McCarron was second or third. I remember yeah. seeing a list. But I liked it that way. Players were saying the same kind of thing. Can we see a leaderboard throughout the night? Yeah. So maybe that will change. But I would have liked after each theme because it takes out recency bias. It takes out narratives. takes out everything. It's strictly on performance. I love it. And that's enough from the NBA. Let's jump over to the NBA. The all-star game. Finally competitive. Hmm. This Elam ending. Whether it was the style of the ending, whether it was because there was money up for grabs for charity, $300,000, I believe, to both Team LeBron and Team Giannis' select charities whether that was part of it. But mm. there was this felt like game seven at one point. No, this is bra- there was bragging rights on this. Guys were taking charges. Yeah. You never see a charge in a pickup game or an all-star. Kyle Lowry took three, I believe it was, almost in the last quarter. Yeah. I think it was more like the pride. Because everyone said, like, Team LeBron should have won that the whole game by 50. They were yeah. loaded. But I think it was come down to then everyone's like, well, we can't lose to, to Giannis's team. So then it was fully – and that's the elimination ending – it can't be a free throw ever again, by the way. If there's a foul, I think you've got to check it up from the top. Yeah, I, I like that. Check it up from I the like top. That. Like, and then if they keep fouling, you keep getting a chance to win. But free throw kind of really took the heat out of it. So let's... If, if there's a, missed the first, he tried yeah. his hardest to make that entertaining. If there's a foul, check it up from the sideline or something. Let's go. But I loved it. As you said, it was awesome. And the best part was, 
Giannis come out on Twitter and his team also put match the donation to their charity that would have won it anyway. So, yeah, I was, I was thinking about that as well. Like yeah. if, if you hit like a game winner, mm. you're taking money out of like a children's charity. And they, were so, good. And they said, look, we're matching it. and Because everyone came at Kyle Lowry. Everyone's yeah. like, Kyle, you just took all this money from taking charges, you idiot. Um, but no, how good was that? And, and needed to change because it's normal. And even, to be honest, the first two quarters were still boring. No, but it, it, it gives us a chance because those first two quarters, you get to see some of the cool tricks, alleys, yeah. all that sort of stuff. So it, it still has that fun atmosphere because you need to give the players that as well. I just, the, them arguing at the refs. That was a yeah. pisser. I, I loved like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Full on going to the roof. Full yeah. on. At one point, Chris Paul should have got teed up. The refs were probably shocked like what are we I've never been in this situation and it's hard for a ref to go from that from the first three quarters to To, that in the last but you need that I think it's a great idea great initiative by the NBA and here I am thinking when they did it and I was like I love the elimination because I love the TBT but to do it from just adding 24 points on from the three, I was like, that's not enough. I was like, these are 50-point quarters. I was like, why don't you run it, it down It still went minutes. a long way. It went 25 minutes. 25 they minutes, got, yeah. Gianna said they were cooked. <laughs> I was like, that's true. You guys are really locking down Maybe every Maybe they position. need to even lower it down from that. <laughs> nah, no, it was good. Well played. Anyway, that's all we got time for this week. Thanks for tuning in. And jump on next week. We're going to give the full finals rundown, full predictions, everything you need. We'll see you next week.